Alrighty, welcome back to Boom Talk Studios on a lovely summer Sunday morning. Watching the end of the open. Faithful host Ken Harlan here, Fox Trading in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 19, number 115 overall. As always, thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com and Mixer for providing the tunes used in the podcast. Always a shout out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. Want to be on the podcast or just say hey, ftinfx at gmail.com. All right. Well, what have we got this week? The COVID Chronicles. That's right. It's back after disappearing last week with a little open face. Well, COVID's kind of doing this weird thing. It ain't going away. And it hasn't gone away. And yet we're acting like it has. But as you're seeing with not necessarily hospitalizations or people dying, but just people getting sick all over the place. And... The weird way of how sports are dealing with it. I told you last week about the pitcher, you know, talking about they should do away with it. Well, if that's the case, then why do we have 10 Royals that did not make the trip to, to, to Toronto this past week? You have 10 players on the Royals who are unvaxxed. Um, and what does this mean for the playoff races? Well, it could mean a lot for teams especially in the East, where I believe everybody is over 500, and you start playing one another, and all of a sudden you can't go because, as we have found out, more people are unvaxxed. This bull jive of teams being in the 85th and 90% uh, percentile of, of being vaccinated, no, it turns out to be all hogwash. And I love... You know, what somebody had pointed out with uh, what, what some, one of the guys on the Royals said, well, you know, if we were doing better in the standings, I'd probably be vaccinated. So that's your reason for not being unvaccinated because you suck? I mean, try to wrap your brain around that part of it, right? Um, you know, it's one thing to say, well, you know, I've done my research and I'm uncomfortable, you know, with you know, what kind of complications they might have for my body. And then, well, if we were in the pit race, I would do it, which is just, I, I don't know, it's mind-blowing. But I'm more irritated, I think, than a lot of everybody else's was just how disingenuous a lot of these leagues and teams with these vaccination numbers, which I thought then were questionable. Now I know there needs to be even a deeper dive as far as that goes. Okay, so we can tell you that over in MLS, that seems to be where the biggest outbreak, at least MLS is being transparent. I mean, we had the Galaxy have some players enter QHSP, missed the Wednesday night game with, the, with San Jose, and this has included Chicharito and Tell you about that a little bit later as far as the Galaxy struggling, but yeah, they're, they're having an issue. You had the Houston Dash over in the NWSL. They reported that two of their players entered QHSP and will miss today's game, I believe it is. And then, oh, it's all over the place, right? Warner Brothers Studio had to shut down in LA. Um, 
you know, which is really, you know, as we're seeing more contagious variants starting to appear. I don't have a lot of info on this because, you know, that's not my thing. But hey, you know what? Keep an eye. Now, the video crew for Dead & Company, there was no, there was no web streams for a couple of days because they had all COVID. Speaking of Dead Family, tonight's supposed to be Phil Lesh with a string cheese incident. And they were gonna they were calling it the Phil Lesh incident at Red Rocks. That's out because now Phil, at 82 years strong, he has COVID. Definitely wishing the best there. So we don't want to lose Mr. Phil, but I'm sure Phil's got the best of care. But that's the point. Um, it's not going anywhere. Okay, do we got anything open face here before we jump around? Yeah, let's see here. So we had the WNBA All Star Game. Now, last it was a week ago, and you know, I tried tuning into it. Now, obviously, because I do think this is a big year for the league, and there are some uh, positive signs. You know, as I keep speaking about the breakout of Sabrina I as a star, but then I watched this All Star Game, and it kind of brings me back to. This league has such an image and perception problem. You know, you have you know people out there, the defenders. You know, and I've seen some pretty ludicrous stuff. You know, in terms of you know bringing up the Britney G thing and talking about the disparity, and then when you bring up you know what the NBA brings in versus the WNBA and how it has to be subsidized. You're called a misogynist and you're hating and you are a boomer and all these other things when the truth is, you know, this league has been a very sick puppy and it's not really doing enough, in my opinion, to give itself more visibility. You know, nobody, especially here, we have applauded them for their activism in the past. And, but at the same time, we have also been critical because you cannot kill the business. <laughs> and I feel that sooner or later, the light has to flash, not necessarily with the players, but with the people who are leading the league and are in charge of its media efforts in terms of trying to somehow recast this league and change the perception of it as a product. Because right now, it sucks. And this all-star game, to be just put a cherry on top of that. Okay, what else do we have open face? How about Barkley being offered a role with the Live Tour? What do you think that's all about? <laughs> um, well, you know, if you're gonna give, if you're gonna offer the Golden Bear lots of money, if you're gonna give Phil Mickelson lots of money to look like a meth head, why not give Barkley a bunch of money and let him go on there and talk trash? And he's obviously become a global star. I mean, his golf game is whatever, but I get what the Live Tour is trying to do. And we'll have a little bit more about that, you know, something you should probably know segment. But I thought that's kind of interesting that Barkley is being considered for a role in the Live. Kind of getting interesting here at the British Open is Mr. Cameron Smith is birdied 18 and now leads by one stroke. With Rory still on the course at 17. Crazy, yeah. Rory's going to have to do something magical here if he wants to come away. Guys, closing out with 64s and 65s. We'll be back with more about that in a few minutes. Anyway, we've got a lot of good stuff going on this week. 
the worlds are here in Eugene, and this place is really um, sparkling with great weather, and it's what a wonderful showcase it is for this town and the track and field community. Phil Knight's vision really coming true. We'll talk about that in a closer look and a bunch of other wonderful stuff as we move through this podcast. So we're going to take a short break after doing a little COVID chronicles and a very short open face, and we will come back with a 43K view on the other side. All right, welcome back to uh, Fox Trading in a Foxhole, Season 4, Episode 19. Uh, 420's coming up. <laughs> All righty. Well, it's early Sunday morning. Well, early enough, 10.30. Uh, stumbling bums are out there playing some softball. More power to them having heart being up at this hour. And, well, motivated at this hour, we should say. Ah, so let's, too early for the adult beverages, grab our energy drinks, sunglasses is definitely bright enough, our hipster clothes and tunes, and our hipster friends, call our lift and get out to uh, Eugene Airport and board our Gulfstream 550 to take the high view over campus. You know how it is this time of year, you know, I mean, obviously with the first segment with it being kind of a slow week, it's even a slower week on campus. This time of year, everybody away for the year, even though it's, you know, July 17th. So you can almost feel college football in the air. Definitely, if you're up at four or five in the morning, it falls de- quietly sneaking in there. Unfortunately, we got some very sad news it's here locally, especially. You know, it's a national story, but it's a big story here with the. Uh, Start, the guy who was projected to be the starting tight end for the Ducks, Spencer Webb, had a tragic uh, fall, a water accident, and passed away at 22. And, you know, our condolences go out to his family, Duck family, uh, from what, you know, I, all the bars here in town, a lot of folks knew this guy. It seems like he was a really uh, wonderful person and, you know, cut down short. And, you know, the main takeaway here is just, you know, especially here and other places, be careful out there on the water, folks, man. You know, this guy apparently just kind of slipped and fell and, you know, hit his head on the rocks or something like that. And, yeah, you know, life's precious, folks. Be really careful out there. But as you said, uh, you know, our condolences definitely go out to his family and the Duck family as well. Tragic story there. Okay, so what's going on high above campus? Well, St. Nick has spoken once again. What does St. Nick have to say this week? St. Nick says mega conferences are here to stay. Well, that would be a no kidding. Duh. He also believes the gap between the have and have nots is whiting. You know, I thought about this and it was kind of funny. I I was re-watching some Oliver Stone, you know, his untold history of the United States and the great chapter about Eisenhower in the 50s, you know, and basically the buildup of the military-industrial complex, you know, and how Ike had his famous speech, you know, on his way out of office warning about the dangers of it. 
And the problem that has always been with historians is like, well, wonderful you to warn us about it after you were a big reason why the military industrial complex grew like it did in the 50s to where it is today. And I feel the same way with someone like Saban, like Alabama and, you know, sort of building up this big money football and sort of creating a professional-like structure, you're more of the cause of anything between the gap of the haves and have-nots. And given, you know, the, how shall I say, the stage for NIL and the transfer portal and all of these things that are reimagining the sport. So it's kind of hollow for me to see you come out and say, well, gee, there's a gap. I'm like, you're just like Ike, you know, Ike's, you know, warning speech against the industrial military complex. This is the same kind of thing. You, after the fact, being, you know, oh, this is terrible and the tradition is gone. And, you know, same thing with Mike Gundy. I mean, although I'll give Mike Gundy of Oklahoma State, you know, colorful character that he always has been going back to the days when he was a quarterback, you know, and. Barry and, uh, you know, the Terminator played there way back in the day. That's always been, you know, the character. And he had a couple of things that, I, that were interesting this week. One, he doesn't think Oklahoma and Texas, as you know, are bolting to the SEC, should be involved in any conference meetings or any discussions moving forward. It's like, you all have told us to F off, so why should you even be sitting at the table? I agree with him there. Um, I don't think that's fair. I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's not fair, and I don't think it's foul. Um, he also said bedlam, which is you know the what they call the historic rivalry with their in-state sparring partner, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He says bedlam is over when they bolt for the SEC. Do we believe that? I don't believe that any more than the Civil War is going to be over. It's just going to be a non-conference game. There's too much money on the table for those two not to play unless you are being really, I don't know, petty. You know, because this has become business. And I, you know, St. Nick and Gundy both have points, okay, in terms of, I can say you're in crumb on them. And I know that if you're a big-time coach, you're sitting there sweating it out because you no longer have control. And, you know... This idea, like, well, we're not going to be able to do some of the things that we're used to. If there's money involved, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, or in the case of uh, Oregon, Oregon State, those games are going to happen, right? No matter what the alignments are going to look like moving forward. That's just me. Call me crazy. Whatever. So the Big 12 commissions we told you about, you know, as they brought out, uh, you know, a guy from the from popular culture to look at things. And he says, as not to be unexpected, he's open to all possibilities. Maybe a merger with the Pac-12. Maybe a, a merger with the ACC. And sure, everybody out here is looking to find the best landing spot that will give them a chance to play in whatever structure the college football play, playoff is going to take moving forward. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're it's just like this podcast right now. Everything is really scrambled. Okay, well, 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 Rory's closing 70 is not enough. We'll talk about that in a moment. Let me stay on track here. Um, how about life out west? 
okay, we had a couple of weeks to talk about, you know, the Titanic or seismic shift that has just happened with USC and UCLA. What is it like out West right now? It's pretty crazy. You've got Gavin Newsom. Yeah, the controversial Gavin Newsom, you know, the czar of Cali. He is very upset, and he wants to take action against the Bruins. He says that the Bruins, uh, being, you know, an uh, entity of the state, like any U University of California or California State University school, that Sacramento should have been consulted. And this is a very interesting point in terms of the autonomy of these schools and making a power move. Because me, personally, I'm like going, if I'm UCLA, what do you care if I'm jumping a conference? What is that actually going to do but perhaps bring more revenue into the state? So are you getting pressure from Stanford and Cal and some of the schools that got left out? Because I'm not sure what your point is, Newsom, in terms of I may have to take action and I need to look into this further. What the hell is there to look into? I mean, maybe there was some kind of bylaw or something like that that says, well, you can't leave the conference without getting state approval. But then again, what? Other than the fact of it being uh, an arm of the state, I just don't see Newsom's point here. Have to look more into that as the weeks go on. Uh, let's talk about the Phil Foundation. I'll bring that up a little bit later. Um, speaking of realignment, I think it's really interesting, you know, to, to, to see some of the comments coming from Deion Sanders, uh, Jacksonville State, or Jackson State, excuse me. Right, we've spoken quite a bit about the visibility that Deion going there and some of the high-profile, you know, four- and five-star recruits that have eschewed going to your traditional uh, Power Five schools to go there. And... Why, how, unlike the rest of the schools that are HBCU, they actually have a possibility of getting into a conference that would give them better visibility. And at this, you know, I think last year the talk was hey, let's preserve what, you know, the momentum that HBCUs like Jackson State, Grambling, and some of the other schools have built in the last four or five years as more money is flowing that way. However, this post-COVID landscape, where it is a free-for-all, I think everything changes. And if you're Dion and the boosters at Jackson State, you, you got to try to make a move and get into a real conference at this point. Not, you know, not saying that they don't play in a real conference, but you have a chance to be visibility, better TV money. And in this day and age, you know, there is no loyalty and, you know, right, there is no tradition to hang on to. So if somebody wants you as a dancing partner, Dion and company, I think you should take it. Okay, what else do we have here? We got Zags in Michigan State. They're going to play on an aircraft carrier here in a couple of weeks when College Hoops starts. Do we care about such spectacles at this point? Or is it just like, yeah, whatever? I'm going to say I'm going to, yeah, whatever. It was cool the first couple of times you did it, but now it's like... You know, is even, right, the Zags and MSU big enough of a matchup to, for us to even care? Probably not. You're going to do it. ESPN will be there. 
You know, it, you will see 30 seconds of it when you're watching Sports Center in the morning, you know, right? With Sage Still and whoever, and not even think too much about it. Last one for 43 KVU. So the powers that be are still saying that horns down, you know, that wonderful gesture. They think it's they think it could be classified as taunting and warrants a penalty. And I'm like, wow. Really? Can we not have any fun? You know, I'm not that much of a boomer to the point of where talking a little trash um is a is a is a, is a felony worth suspensions and getting kicked out of the game? No. I mean I think that there's a line that, that should be established. And I don't think having a gesture like horns down crosses that line, right? I think we you know we should know pretty clear what would merit a penalty, suspension, or any other kind of punitive action. But let people have fun. Let's keep a little bit of, you know, the spirit in the competition. All right, folks. We're rocking and rolling this. We'll be back with something you should probably know on the other side. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Fox Trying to the Foxhole. We have a new champion of the Open. We will talk about that momentarily. So, time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know, or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might want to know about. Well, well, well. Mentioned about the World Track and Field Championships being here in Eugene. And, of course, that was a Fitting time for the IOC to finally reinstate Jim Thorpe's medals after 110 years. And my immediate reaction is, what a WTF this is. If you know the history of Jim Thorpe and what, you know, he's one of the great athletes in the, in the United States, if not the world, in, you know, the 20th century, being an Olympic hero being an NFL pioneer, and also playing in MLB. So, I mean, and he had his medal stripped because he played an obscure game with the Giants. And a legend, and a guy, Avery Brundage, well, you know, he ended up being the czar of the Olympics, competed against Thorpe, and held a grudge all these years, and even after he is dead, somehow this man's medals were never reinstated, which is a, a travesty, you know, that take this long, I get it when Brundish was alive, but Brundish has been dead for a while. And this is just, you know, everybody was patting themselves on the back. I'm like, good grief. He should have had his medals reinstated to him when he was alive. You know, we're talking 60 or 70 years ago. So, yeah, you know, I'm just going to already give the IOC, even before TMCA time, a stainless steel bowl of the smelly varieties, man. Blech. Okay, what's going on elsewhere? So last week in NASCAR, Chase Elliott wins his third race of the year, but his first race on his home track, taking the checkered flag in Atlanta. Good to see a legacy there of the Elliotts continuing and Chase having a wonderful season. 
over there at F1, we had the Austrian GP with Leclerc sprinting past a napping Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton was third, so it was kind of good to see sweet Lewis on the podium as well. Also, we wrapped up Wimbledon with Joker taking out bad boy Mr. K in four sets. Kind of a drag that the unvaxxed Joker will not be in the U.S. Open. Right, you know, we're not going to allow that, even though you wonder, as we talked about in the last segment, with the indifference. But no, he is not going to play in the U.S. Open. Kind of good to see uh, Mr. K and his antics. Not too keen about his issues with the women. As far as that goes, got to do something about that. But, you know, tennis is a sport that um, isn't declining, but could always use more eyeballs. Nothing wrong with having another villain out there. That having a, having two, so wonderful thing if you ask me. Okay, let's talk a little golf here, shall we? Lot going on there. So first of all, we have Congress really busy these days on, on all sorts of fronts, and as as they tend to do, look in the sports when they cannot get the job done and other real life things. Might as well go to sports and get some grandstanding points and sort of throw your weight around. And this is no different where they are going to look into whether the PGA violated antitrust laws with its heavy handed treatment of the live tour and its members. Well, what do we think about all that? I thought this was coming. Okay. That, as, as odious as you may think the live tour and any kind of foreign money coming from places where human rights is not, you know, at the top of the list and there's a lot of non-kosher things going on, the idea that there can be only one entity and MLB and the rest of the leagues better be careful in terms of as we get further along with her, with how things are interpreted in the courts. Yeah, you have a monopoly, and it goes against everything, you know, when it comes to, you know, American business and, you know, having uh, a chance for a level playing field for your competitors. And so, and the sports has been able to get away with it a long time. And now, like so many other things, it's, it's being revisited. You know, there's... Many things in front of the courts right now. And so, yeah, I think if you're the PGA, you need to tread very lightly. Rory says, no room in golf for the Live Tour. See, and this is once again, yes, there is room. The PGA and the DP Tour should not have a monopoly. Sorry, Rory. Um, Tiger, you know, had his two cents. And, you know, Tiger speaks like E.F. Hutton. Everybody tends to listen. Tiger doesn't understand how guys like Brooks and Bryson could turn their backs on the tour. Easy for you to say, you know, somebody like you who could write $116 million to make your infidelity and your cranky wife go away. Sure, it might be easy because you could write a $116 million check. I don't know if Brooks and Bryson can write a $100 million check to make their headaches go away. So, of course, this is why it appeals to them, and I think you know that. I get, you know, you being Tiger and, you know, you're going to try to do and say the right thing. But come on, man. You know, to me, this is just, just one more example of you being out of touch as always. Okay. 
Speaking of Tiger, he acknowledged that the end may be indeed near. Said this could be his last outing at St. Andrews. And if you watched him and, and that uh, stirring walk up 18th on Tuesday, because, you know, Tiger didn't play well, you know, you'd be living in the Raw Rock not to know that, that he didn't make the cut. But, yeah, you know, it was a wonderful moment to see. You know, to see Tiger get misty-eyed and everybody else, you know, what he meant to golf. And it's true, it may be, you know, what was it, like eight years in between the last visits between, you know, the Open being at Historic St. Andrews, and we don't know when the next time it will be. But at that point, you got Tiger being honest and says, hey, you know, this isn't my last Open, but this may be the last time I come here competitively. You know, I think he loves to still play, but as we can see, you know, his body's not cooperating, right? And the longer he stays away and doesn't play competitive golf, the less likely we're going to see him be a force. I still think he has a magic moment left in him somewhere before this is all said and done. But what you saw in these last two majors, I may have to walk that one back. So, the Open itself, this seemed to be Rory Boy's moment to sort of recapture center stage. He opened with a 66, played pretty hard um, throughout the weekend, was a factor. I mean, you know, that bunker shot, hole out bunker shot yesterday, obviously the moment of the tournament. But in the end, it is not about him. You know, as his 70 is not as good as the Camerons who shot 64 and 65 today. Uh, just tearing the old course up. So, Cameron Smith takes the Open. Rory ends up finishing third. And what the scores would be. This just ended, by the way, while we're doing this podcast. I think uh, Smith was, what, minus 20, 19. And I think Rory was 18. Yeah, it, it, you know, it came down to... Back nine, you gotta really appreciate uh, the New Zealander. And, uh, you know, I thought yesterday, because he was really struggling, you know, he did, things weren't going his way. He wasn't playing bad, obviously, for him to still have a chance to win today. He didn't, he didn't take himself out. But you have to really appreciate when they talk about grinding, because this is exactly what happened yesterday. You're right. I mean, it was very, you know, Mr. Smith was very frustrated, fought his way through. And then, you know, he put, I mean, the back nine today, I said we're going to been watching the watching that, getting this podcast going and doing a couple of other things. But he brought it in the final nine. And, you know, the people that were fighting with him on the leaderboard, they were bringing it as well. I said, you close out at St. Andrews with a 64. So massive props there. Very good, and been getting close as far as knocking on the door goes. Um, yeah, so, you know, once again, you know, the majors are over for the year, which is always kind of sad the way things have been, you know, shuffled around to make this the, the, the final one and moving the PGA earlier in the year. And so now, you know, the focus will shift to the FedEx playoffs. But, you know, once again, if you hate the Live Tour, I understand that, but the reality is the Live Tour has probably brought more visibility to the sport of golf since Tiger was a force. That just tells you, you know, what post-Tiger has been like, that there are very a lot of good golfers out there, as we've spoken on this podcast many times, 
That said, none of them really have been really capable of moving the needle. Yet, because of this whole controversy with the Live Tour, there's been more of a focus on the sport of golf and probably, you know, the last seven to eight years. You know, when Tiger was a force. Maybe longer than that. Now I'm thinking about it since it's 22. But yes, point being, we'll just say that this is good as far as golf's visibility. You don't have to like it, but there's, a, there's too much money out there. And the sooner we are able to absorb that reality, the easier this will be to, to the easier this will be to digest as far as the money's going to come from somewhere. The money's there. And the opportunities for these guys to make more money, I think it's hard to crumb on these people. And, you know, I, as we've spoken many times before about where the money comes from and the hypocrisies involved when it comes to big money sports, just people need to get over it, you know, right? If, if it bothers you, as they say, go find something else to watch. Plenty of hobbies and activities for people to be a part of if big money in sports turns you off. All right, folks, that's enough babbling on that. Let's take a break, and we will come back with some MLB NHL. Welcome back to Fox Trading in the Foxhole. Look at Camp Smith. Just looking all stoic and proud. Like I said, man, he was grinding yesterday. And you could tell this was, you know, this is his first major, third win of the season. But you could tell he's been through a lot to get to this. Congratulations to him. It's just really cool to just see that, uh, you know. A, a champion who's definitely went through a battle and grinded his way to the result that he's been wanting his whole life. So cool stuff there. Okay, folks, let's do some Nightfall of Diamonds, shall we? Let's start off with the A's. Still don't know what is going on with their pursuit to stay in the East Bay. What I can tell you is... I, I I knew about this, but I had kind of forgotten about it because, you know, there's so much going on in the world. You can't keep track of everything. Uh, Mr. Lakeup, that's right. The, you know, deep pockets, innovative, next-gen owner of the Warriors. He says he has had a standing offer to buy the A's for, for years. So, you know, right, even before he owned the Warriors. That he had, uh, you know, he had uh, an offer in place, and he says that he would love to. So it makes me wonder what the problem is. I mean, obviously, I can see the folks who own the A's not wanting to sell, because you know, obviously, if they go to Vegas or Portland or wherever else, they stand to make money. But it also tells me, though, man, maybe wouldn't it be easier? But you, yes, we've seen what this guy did with the Warriors and. Not only make them a dynasty, but actually get them out of the ice box, which, you know, the Oakland Coliseum Arena and whatever it's called, Oracle and the million other names it's had, you know, since it was built in 68. Um, yeah, Warriors, one of the great stories of the 2020s. 
And so the idea that this guy wants to buy the A's, you know they would st they would stay in the East Bay and a nice stadium would get built. Whereas here, it's looking a lot more positive. But I am one of those people. I am from Missouri, the Show Me State. So I, you are gonna have to show me this is actually true before I really want to buy into it. Uh, I gotta like that on the on the leaderboard. Well played, Cameron. Agreed. Okay, what else is going on? Well, I was talking about big money a second ago and antitrust, and you know this is case in point. MLB agreeing to pay $185 million to settle lawsuits with minor league players. We've told you about the friction there, as Congress has also threatened to stick its long reach in there to sort of remedy the deplorable living standards of minor league players, and just how MLB could just arbitrarily wipe out the histories, basically with its, you know, controversial restructuring. Once again, when you have all of this power, the more knowledge, the more data, it's harder and harder to, to sit there with a straight face and say, oh, we're not a monopoly and we should have special exemptions. So, you know, as Mr. Zimmerman says, the times are definitely changing. Okay. Um, and when, you know, when it comes to big money out there, you know, like I said, $185 million to be distributed among minor leaguers is, you know, it's good. You know, I'm sure it's going to help these guys when you see how meager their wages are. But then it's kind of a moot point when you see someone like Juan Soto turning down a $440 million 15-year offer from the Nationals. Okay, so think about that. They're going to spread $185 million among thousands of minor leaguers. Meanwhile, someone like Juan Soto can say, ah, I don't think $440 million. Really? I mean, I know you're good, but come on. And what are the Nationals even thinking? $440 million, people. Okay. So I told you last week that I thought the Dodgers were, were, were swooning, and they told me, no, we're not swooning. In fact, we just became the first NL team to get 60. You know, they completed a sweep of the cup. They could have 10-1 homestand uh, after I said that last week. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Quietly, they're playing good. Kershaw flirted with a perfect game on Friday. Shockingly, and I thought he was struggling, and I look up at his numbers, and he's 7-2. and two. An even better story, I think, is the Orioles, right? Uh, a once-proud franchise, a fixture of the playoffs, you know, World Series winner with Earl, with Earl Weaver and Joe Altabelli way back in the day. Well, you know, they built Camden Yards, and Camden Yards was such a game-changer. But since they built Camden Yards, what can we say about the Orioles? Absolutely freaking nothing. And so for them to have... To be at 500, be a couple of games out of the wild card, that is very outstanding. And kudos to that organization for turning things around and not giving up. You know, obviously, with the Nationals coming in and sharing that market with them now, as far as the DMV is concerned. Yeah, great story. Another good story. The, the Mariners, another team I really haven't been fair to. They've won 13 straight. 
They were good last year, and they are proving that last year is no fluke. Hope to see them make the playoffs. Their fan base definitely deserves it. Okay, how about the week in Otani? There's always something going on in the week of Otani. So this week, he joins Nolan Ryan as the only Angel pitchers to have 10 Ks in four straight games. Yeah, you know, how blessed are we to be able to have this guy be able to watch this guy. I've said it ad nauseum. I'll say it again. It's really fantastic. I mean, you know, we weren't old enough. And Babe Ruth basically was still a budding star when he pitched, where this guy, you know, obviously is doing both. And I hope he continues to do that, you know, and we see more of it as far as two-way players, as I've said a million times. Whatever happened, you know, to the days like when we grew up, where your pitcher was also your best hitter. Yeah. Okay, another interesting thing going on. Whit Merrifield, his streak ends at 5.33. Why is that impressive? It's not really. It is impressive in this day and age, but when you think about Lou Gehrig and Cal Ripken and that they were in the 2000s, it's like, is anybody even going to get to 1,000 again as far as consecutive games given the... Need for rest and the amount of money. And I don't know if people have that desire like Lou or Cal Ripken or Joe DiMaggio, where it was really important for their fans to, to get a chance to see them play. I don't know if these guys still have that same desire with the kind of money they make. Not saying it in a negative way, because I just think that's human nature in terms of the difference between then and now and how money has really created, you know, Almost a continent in between the players and the fans, unlike it was, you know, back in the day when when Dimaggio, Garrick, and even you know into the modern era, you know, Cal Ripken Jr. Right? I just don't know if somebody's going to stay with a team that long and have the connection with the fans like these guys have, where you'd have the incentive to play in those many games. Okay, another good thing that's going to happen with this being All Star Week, going to Chavez Ravine after it was supposed to be there in 2020. Seen some really cool unis and gear so far, so we're looking forward to what a spectacle that's going to be. Albert Pujols is going to be in the home run derby, and along the way he hit a 685th. Will they get the 700 before it's over? I sure hope so. Like I said, I would like to see a 700 home run because I don't think you're going to see that too often. Same thing like with Mr. Verlander, who had another outstanding outing last night. You know, maybe he can get the 300 because. These things that we grew up as with benchmarks, as I've said also a lot of times, that's not going to be so much the case in the future. You know, we're going to have to completely reimagine what our standards are and what we consider to be, you know, landmarks. I just don't, you know, given the way, the money, and just, you know, our awareness about wear and tear is going to be really hard. The pitching numbers, definitely. Then again, the hitting, we'll never, you never know. But then again, I look at someone like an Aaron Judge, for example. What is he just, he's at 33 home runs at the break, which means, you know, the only people who've ever done that, you know, especially Yankees, have hit 60 home runs. But he's old now. I mean, I mean he's, 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 long in, he's not long in the tooth, but for someone to make a legitimate run at the, you know, these historic benchmarks, I don't know if he can get there. Okay, um, let's see, what else do we have here? Um, the NHL, 
contracts. Isn't it crazy? Because you know you're seeing all the money gro- that being dropped there. As I talked about, you know, with Bettman and his what was it, five point two billion dollar revenue. When you see these contracts compared to what, there ain't nobody offering a Juan Soto deal in the NHL. You know, we'll see these guys, like I t- said last week, you know, they're getting deals that pay them, you know, somewhere between four and maybe nine, ten million a year at the most. You know, which is not, you know, nothing to scoff at until you look at what's happening in the NBA and the NFL and you're just like, wow, this is a pretty violent sport. I think you guys are getting down the short end as far as the players go. Um, okay, what else? How about Evander Kane? You would think this guy and all the tawdriness that comes along with it. Yet Edmonton says we will take another flyer. And I can see that given the success that he's had. And somehow he didn't cause any problems. But if I were the Oilers, I would definitely keep that guy on a short leash. All right, folks, that's what's up on the diamond and on the ice. We will be back with some beautiful game life on the other side. All right, welcome back to Boom Talk Studios. A lot going on here as we are wrapping up the stretch run. We got probably about six weeks left here at Boom Talk Studios before we move on to the new location for the FTI and FX podcast. A lot of cool stuff happening in the fall. Things are still being hashed out in terms of what that's all going to look like, but I can tell you, a lot of changes are already going on as far as what will be happening with the FTI, FTI and FX network over the next month or two. Told you all to be patient over the last couple of years, you know, dealing with life and other things. And we'll, we'll just say it's early still, but yet yeah, I think some really fascinating things are about to happen in the FTI and FX universe. All right. Well, that said... Let's get to some beautiful game life, shall we? All right, since we're on a Sunday, that means we're going to have to, like, leave out what happened in MLS last night. We'll save that for next week, but we'll talk about what happened in the past week. There's always enough to speak about regarding those developments. We'll start out with the United States women national team advancing to the CONCACAF final with a 3-0 defeat over Costa Rica. Are we surprised by this? No, we're not. Um, Ladies taking care of business, as always. Really expecting some big things out of them, you know, as far as the cup and everything else that will be in front of them. So props to them. Another big story this week is Mr. Rooney. That's right, Wayne Rooney. Returning to D.C. United as their new skipper. And one wonders, can he reverse that club's downward spiral? A lot going on here. First of all, we talked about how his failure at Derby County, and they got regulated. And, you know, he really felt bad. But obviously, in terms of him being a up-and-coming manager, and, you know, obviously a great player, 
I like this move for him. As many people like the Jesse Marshes and others who have had time in the MLS and have had success globally. And I feel like this is a great move for Rudy as opposed to, you know, slogging it out in League One, trying to get them back to even the championship. Here at MLS, he has an opportunity with the DC United. You know, they have a new stadium. They have a pretty strong fan base. Great proving ground for him as far as if he is going to be a manager of the type flight in Europe. This is a wonderful opportunity. Thumbs up for, as far as that goes. And DC United could use the buzz there. Um, I, thought, I don't know what to think about this. In fact, I'm not even sure if I believe it. Because this is the crazy season, and this is when people come up with all kinds of nonsensical <sighs> rumors that they try to will into reality. And this one of them being that PSG turned down a offer for Ronaldo, and so did Chelsea and someone else. I don't believe it. Well, I told you that there's no way PSG could even be in a position to offer who <laughs> give it all? I mean, CR7, given all of the superstar talent they already have up top. Just, you know, I mean, and this idea that people are saying is a fact and trying to make PSG look bad as always. But, and the other squads as well. I, I don't know. I know that Ronaldo wants to play Champions League. And obviously, Manchester United not being in the deal. Gonna be curious to see where he lands. My guess is he ends up back in Syria. I just somehow get this strange feeling that he, that he ends up back, ends up back in Italy. Um, speaking of Spain, real quick, Lewandowski to Barcelona is finally a done deal, right? Didn't think that was gonna happen anytime soon, and it did. He has his farewells. Not sure how a club that is supposedly bankrupt and pushing people out the door, as, as in the case with Danny Alves, who lashed out at Barcelona this week following his departure of the club with him saying they don't treat their players well, how they can get someone of Lewandowski's caliber at this point, given their financial situation is beyond me. But then again, who, who am I to say when Paris has everybody or their brother? Yeah, that, that whole FFP thing is interesting how it really works now, isn't it? <laughs> um, let's see, what else? Apparently, Dybala is leaving Juventus, staying in Italy, and will be in Roma with the Chosen One. That should be fun. Good for him. Paul Pogba to Ju Juventus on a free transfer is finally done. So he is in turn... Going to be with Angel Di Maria. That should be a fun pairing if these two are not so long on the tooth that they can contribute. Salatan is going to return to AC Milan for at least one more dance. Always glad to see that at 41. It's going to be a new challenge. But then again, Salatan at 40 was pretty good. And if he can overcome these bad injuries that he has suffered on the other side of 35, I suspect he will contribute for the Rosanari. Always love, you know, get some Salat time. Okay, folks, let's talk about the MLS. Not what's happened yesterday, per se, but since we last talked before that. Um, last Saturday, let's see here. You know, we had 
Rapids, Salt Lake. What was that? You know, they had like a draw. Yeah, no, actually, you had Charlotte beating the Rapids. You had Houston and Dallas tying. That's always interesting, the Texas Derby. Not sure why those two Texas squads, you know, are kind of flat compared to the to the Verde, who I spoke glowingly about last week. Got another good result last night, too, and another Texas Derby. We'll talk about that next week, though. Uh, the, cr- the crew beating an improved fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Verde beating Houston 3-1. You had Atlanta getting a big win. You had, you know, FC Cincinnati squad that I'm still impressed with. They had a draw with the Whitecaps. Philadelphia Union beating the dumpster fire of the Inter-Miami has become again, even though Hawaii had a nice goal there. Uh, You had Seattle losing again to Nashville, and Seattle still having some problems there. They may have hit a wall. The SCCL hangover. Yeah, people, it's definitely true. The defending champs got a big win the other night, taking out the aforementioned FC Dallas. You had San Jose taking out the Galaxy. I said the Galaxy are really stumbling right now. Not sure what to make of that. Um, big matchup here today, this afternoon, that you should be keeping an eye on if you have ESPN+. Plus. LAFC travels to Nashville. They were trailing the Verde by two points in the Western Conference standings, but LAFC has two games in hand. You know, we should be looking forward to that. Um, keep an eye on Portland. Portland's really quietly moving up in the standings. I know they have a big match tonight that we'll have our eyes on while LAFC is playing. Um, as far as power rankings are concerned, LAFC is still atop the power rankings with Philadelphia 2 Austin 3, New York City Football Club 4, and Red Bull New York 5. But like I said, keep an eye on Portland. They are quietly moving up the standings, kicking ass and taking names. That rip city till they die. Oh, and another great thing I would be remiss if I didn't talk about. Land United last week and pushed its unbeaten streak to 9. Unfortunately, we only have one more match of the season which is, you know, always a sad thing when you are in the USL 2, you know, basically, you know, semi-pro, you only get that five or six-week window. So if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to put my, I'm going to put 15 million of it so I can get Lane United in USL 1 because four or five weeks that we get of the Reds is clearly not enough. But Props to those guys after the rough season they had in 2021 to really turn it around. And if this is, you know, a stepping stone to what we might see in the future from this club, I'm excited. And all of you folks here locally, get the hell out there. It is is a wonderful time that you are missing out on. You know, definitely next season, I'll be talking about it. I'm hoping to get, you know, some people from the Red Aces and maybe even actually, you know, people from the club to come on the podcast and talk about it and encourage you all to come out to what I think is one of the funner times, you know, in early summer, late spring in Eugene. Not enough people know and appreciate and embrace. All right, folks, we will be back on the other side with some NBA beat.
welcome back to Fox Dragon of the Foxhole, your faithful host here, Kid Harlan. The scene has shifted. This is watching the Peacock, NBC, and I'm getting to watch the track and field championships live from lovely Eugene, Oregon. Although I'm really perplexed by the empty seats that I'm seeing in a lot of these shots. Making the world championships are here in this hemisphere, especially in the Northwest. I was expecting to see every session packed in the Guild. And I'm not quite seeing that. I mean, I haven't watched it wall to wall, but we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. <clears throat> Let's talk some NBA beat, shall we? Let's start off with LeBrick. That's right, LeBron James, the frozen one. The Kang, stay the Kang. Whatever superlative you want to attach to the four-time winner and maybe most uh, controversial star the NBA has ever witnessed. After all, we are witnesses, as the billboard used to say in Cleveland. You know. Anyway, LeBrick was critical of the Biden White House efforts to bring Brittany G home. We've talked about Brittany G ad nauseum. LeBron walked these comments back, of course, as he tends to do when he sticks his foot in his mouth about she wouldn't want to come back to this country. You know, obviously, he, you know, people got all over him. And it makes me wonder what the Maverick Carters and all those, you know, his brain trust. Man, y'all have form a community and say, and basically... All statements you make have to be approved by us because this one was a doozy. The, uh, the country that made you a billionaire. Not a millionaire, a billionaire. One of, the, you know, one of the few athletes to achieve that. And yet somebody who made a mistake. She says it was prescribed to her by the doctor, whatever the case may be. It isn't legal in that country. And you're saying because... Biden and Camilla and company aren't working hard enough. She probably shouldn't want to come back here. And then trying to say, well, you know, it's more along the lines of something. With Forget about what Jamel Hill has to say. Jamel Hill is twilight. Nobody gives a blank about what she has to say. Of course, she's going to say something idiotic like that. But a country that made you a billionaire. Now, you got some of that came elsewhere. But this country offered you the opportunity, as you say, being the lad from Akron that fought through all the things that you did, you know, with the tribulations with your mother being, you know. Anyways, come on, LeBrick, stop it. LeBrick didn't stop there either. He told, you know, on one of these outlets about why he hates Boston's fans, says they're racist as F. <laughs> well, he's right about that. I mean, you would have to have been born on a rock, under a rock, to not know the history that Boston has had with African-American players, their own and visiting players. I mean, when you have the 11-time winner, Bill Russell, come out and say some of the strongest things you could possibly say, right? This is a man who brought 11 rings to that city, you know, the great Jim Rice, others, and so other people who've come there and have had a hostile time, and it's just like I always say, shame on you, Boston, when you talk about what a great city you are, but yet, you know, you always have this odious legacy. So I can't kind of call LeBron out too much for that, other than 
him guys like him and Kyrie and their sensitivity, you know, bring out the 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 worst of these people. Okay. So Mr. Silver had a lot to say this week as well. He says the playing tourney mate, the playing tourney is here to stay. Now that's shocked there as it as we've said all along, it does bring an additional drama and a nice lead into the actual playoffs. Um, he also would like to, to revisit the age restriction, which he's getting a lot of grief for. But at this point, in this new landscape, when it comes to basketball players, if you're good enough at 18, yeah, you should be able to play in the NBA. Should like, like the old days. I'm not going to sit here and... Get on a high horse about this. It's just, it's just not, you know. It, I get it, you know, in the NFL. I mean, there are some great arguments that were made this week, I might add. You know, some people say that, you know, this the G League or the Ignite League, yeah, it allows these kids to play, but it gives them really no visibility. You know, nobody knows where to watch these games. They don't draw any ink, as opposed to like Zion being at Duke, you know, or you know, homegrown at Gonzaga because these p kids are in these programs and now that they have access to NIL, as I spoke to, uh, I spoke about last week and also with Alec Ford, yeah, it might be a better deal, you know, for these p kids to actually be in college now, right? Because, yes, you get paid and you get room and board, you know, and it's not like, you know, being in the minor leagues, we spoke earlier, you know, which is probably a kid to, you know, being on the front lines in, in Europe in 1918, you know, or Vietnam or something crazy like that, where you're just like living in squalor. It's not quite that, but, you know, when you go to, you know, one of these programs, especially in this new landscape, which allows you to make money off of your likeness, and there is all sorts of mobility, if you don't like the current situation you're part of, ah, man. So Silver's just kind of like saying, okay, I'm just going to open that door up. And if you're good enough, well, obviously, you will be on a roster. Um, okay. He also says he would like to see players honor their contracts. You know, the whole situation with KD, Kyrie, and all these other folks. And I don't have a problem with that. I know the Yentas out there. You know, that for some reason, maybe they think if these players have more mobility and with the money, they can do what they want to in the broadcasting careers as well. I don't understand why people are always like, oh, yeah, a player should have this. No, I'm with Silver on this. Sign a contract, own it. Build brand loyalty, even for a short term. If somebody signs a four-year deal, and you raise prices, ticket prices to accommodate the salaries, players should have the honor of that. Give the fans that much as opposed to, well, I don't like the situation. I want Adam here. Or, well, Harden wants to play with me, so I want to get out of this. I think he should put his foot down on this one, and I think the owners, sorry, players, this is why I can't be with you on this one. You guys work out shorter deals then. If you don't want to, I know that that's that's a disadvantage for both sides. But if mobility and flexibility is what you all want, then maybe hook up for two years and see where you're at. We can have some flexibility here, but I think if you sign a contract, you should honor it. Makes sense. 
Uh, what else do we have here? I didn't know the craziness. How about Aiton? We talked about this last week with DeAndre Aiton. So the son, the Pacers signed him to a $133 million offer sheet, which the Suns somehow matched, meaning they can't trade him to January, meaning a deal they'll get KD is even less. Like it. Well, either way, this was kind of be screwed as far as getting KD goes. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, Mr. Aiton is very talented. And I think he's been, how do I say this? He's definitely played a role in their success, but I also feel his Houdini act is also one of the reasons why the Suns still are ringless. And given how this particular situation played out, I don't know how this works for anybody. I don't know if this is a good thing. But as I said, when the Suns got knocked out, that this could be one of the all-time failures and a, a, a franchise that's historically known for this. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Another thing that was crazy, uh, Donovan Mitchell, who supposedly was untouchable. Now, there was a flirtation that Danny Angels had been with the Knicks. Could be interesting, you know, that if, if the Jazz can obtain fair value, I think that's a great idea. We all, we've talked endlessly about the Knicks needing to find a way to, to make themselves relevant. Clearly, the situation with Utah, it hasn't quite worked. And now that Ainge is firmly planted there, I think he does want to move the earth. And the way things are moving so rapidly, this might be an opportunity to blow things up and start from scratch. So, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Even if you can't get fair by you, Maybe getting them out of there and just retooling, especially if you can make the right moves. And, and I mean, not get fleeced, but I'm not saying you have to get, you know, complete one-to-one -one value here in terms of making a move that makes sense for the, for, for the Utah franchise. Um, let's see here. Kyrie and Katie. Jeez. I, Yeah. I, you know, all the time, and Russ, throw him in there as well. Russ has gotten rid of his agent. So it's so psycho. I don't even know what to talk about when it comes to that guy anymore. You know, the Russ story, it just gets more confusing. Is that LeBron for KD? You know, that's downright ridiculous. I mean, why would I even mention something crazy like that happening? No, none of those things. Um, Josh saying he would have cooked Michael Jordan in a game of one on one. It's like he's saying, Jaw, you gotta like, you gotta go make things happen and conceive before you could actually sell those kind of wolf tickets, okay? Wait, go out and win something. All this talk is making me think you all will be one of the underachieving teams that could have but never got it done. Keep running your mouth. What do you think about Banchero? Already being load managed by the Magic. Fair or foul? I think this is a foul. Okay, the Summer League Showcase. People come to Vegas. People tune in and watch. And playing games like that, yeah, I get you want to protect your investment. But come on, man. These kids are 19 and 20. You know, if they were doing this, they'd probably be running five and six, you know, full court games in a row. Come on, don't deprive the fans. 
You know, it's a good boy, a good time to showcase the talent and show how smart you are. And I think it's foul. That was cool seeing Re- Richard Jefferson done, you know, some referee threads and go out and officiate a summer league game. Get out there and put his money where his mouth is and show it and, you know, get a sense of how difficult that really is. He's always a character. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, how about the Las Vegas Aces? Speaking of the WNBA, I spoke about them earlier in the podcast. Being the first team in that league's history to score 100 points in three straight games. Well, I will take the time not to, to have another swipe at the WNBA, but yeah, <laughs> you know, this only the, the, the first time this has happened in the league's history, the league's been around for a few minutes. All right, folks, I think that is enough NBA talk. We'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole. 0419. Getting ready for some MLS action at the top of the hour. A lot of games coming up today. Really excited to see some of the big squads in action. That it sucked last week when there were no games. Obviously, still trying to adjust as far as what day we're going to get this podcast out on a regular basis. Like we said, a lot of... You know, life-altering things going on in the foxhole and outside of the foxhole. You know, mostly good. Uh, and hopefully it stays that way. But yeah, you know, we're going to start getting it nailed as far as I think it's probably going to be more like trying to get these out on Saturday. So sometimes we'll bleed in this Sunday, depending on the kind of energy levels and what's going on at the same time. But anyways, big Sunday going on. Track and field championships on. Soccer all day NFL quietly creeping up on us yeah college football as well so anyway let's do a closer look you know where we take a couple of minutes and you know take a drill down view of some things going on in the world of sports and you know rant rave opinionate editorialize you know all that good stuff um, okay, let's start out with what I'm going to call the Corvallis, Tucson, and Pullman story. Yeah, all the talk really has been focused on the brand names and where it's going to happen. Like I said, the, 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 the Phil file, for example, you know, looking at the world championships and looking at that wonderful facility that he's built for, for this occasion and everything else on the glorious Eugene campus that the University of Oregon resides. Um, you know, yeah, he's he's calling people, as I told you last week. He's like saying, um, whatever party is being assembled, we gonna be part of it. But if you're in Corvallis and Pullman, eh, Tucson for that matter, and eh, maybe Tempe can pull off a little bit more of a deal because you know the Valley of the Sun's a hub. 
But if you're in Corvallis or Pullman, all of a sudden, if the Pac-12 breaks up, you are in a weaker position because there are schools like, like a Boise, a Fresno, San Diego State. I'm talking life out west part two, as I said earlier. This is what's really up. You have got schools out there that are arguably stronger brands, definitely better TV markets, and as, as far as future revenue potential, you have to be in a very uncomfortable position if you're in Corvallis or Pullman. I even think Tucson to some, some degree, right? Even though I don't think it's as dire if you're in Tucson as it is Pullman and, because I mean, Pullman and Corvallis grandfathered in. Part of the great legacy that goes back, I mean, you know, Oregon and Oregon State, what, you know, what is that, like the fourth or fifth, you know, longest running rivalry? In terms of you know games played, you know goes back. You know, I mean, it, it, it goes back into you know the nineteenth century, nineteenth or least twentieth century. But yeah, I I really, uh, you know, if you're an alumni, for a, a, you know, we'll say a vested alumni, you got to be pulling your hair out and really wondering how we got to this point. And we know how we got to this point, but you know what could have been done to safeguard our futures? And because I've been saying this for for I don't know twenty years. I mean, you can I got people here who who listen to this podcast who can verify I've been beating the deaf drum for schools like that for many 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 years. And now that reality's here, you have to wonder how do you strategize? Because once again, you know. There's so many schools now that you're are in the same pool with. I mean, I mentioned the schools out west, but there were schools in, in the Midwest and obviously, you know, in, 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 the, in the Sun Belt now that have more visibility, have more to offer than those schools. I mean, how do they not get left behind, right? I mean... You know, I mean, I'm not saying this to be cruel, but this is barely, you're barely a rug above, you know, the San Jose states who've been just barely hanging on. You've had the luxury of being grandfathered in. And now, you know, with the possibility of the conference breaking up or the conference taking on new members, you know, if you are, as I mentioned already enough times, if you're like, you know, the, the Oregon, Stanford, Washington tier, You've got to be looking around the room and saying, are these two suitable dancing partners? If tradition is out the window and it's all about money and making the product as attractive as possible, if you're going to retain some sense of what the conference is now. I don't know, food for thought, right? Anyhow, it's going to be some uneasy times if you are a vested booster, an admin Right, you know, connected to the, the athletic programs and even just the university administration in general, as far as the future goes. And is the cash cow going to be pulled away from you? And if that's so, what am I going to do to sustain ourselves, you know, to the level we've gotten used to by even being in an association of a big conference that was kind of like outside looking in? It still was very lucrative to have membership now. The surviving members may not feel that way about you. 
Okay, what else do we have here? Okay, the world's coming to Eugene, just as I was talking about mo a few minutes ago, where I've been kind of perplexed at the crowds that I've seen. But, you know, this disclaimer, I haven't been watching it wall to wall. There's, you know, so many things going on right now in my universe and the universe in general. But, you know, and I haven't had a chance to, like, go there and, you know, investigate and check out the vibe like I planned on. But it's too much of a circus. And I'm kind of staying away as that part of town is, you know, taking on a nice international fill. And as I was saying earlier, the weather being really fantastic, you know, as Eugene tends to be when it's time to put on, you know, a postcard performance, a postcard-worthy performance as far as an advertisement to the rest of the world is concerned. And, you know, so everything's lined up for that. And, uh, you know, getting to see the beautiful facility and Phil Knight's vision on display. And I know that you know the backstory to that. Very controversial. Uh, at, 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 at times, um, acrimonious in terms of how he was able to basically bulldoze his vision for creating a mecca for track and field in his hemisphere versus preserving the history of what was, you know, a citadel as far as the sport in North America is concerned, you know, the old Hayward. But as you can see now, how beautiful this facility is, the performances that you're already seeing in just a couple of days into it, you know, love him or loathe him. Guy nailed it on this one, right? And this is going to be a place where many great track and field competitions are going to be held in the years to come. And, you know, and that's going to be great if you live here, great for the United States and the sport. And I think just, you know, athletes here, especially you come here and everything's perfect like it is. So, you know, and we've seen some very interesting sights so far. I thought. You know, watching the uh, mixed 4x400 the other night, if you've ever run track and field or cross country or stuff like that, you know the whole proverbial piano landing on your back and the legendary Allison Felix in her last race. Man, I mean, that piano fell out of the sky. That was like some Warner Brothers Looney Tunes kind of stuff. If she got reeled in and finished third, cool seeing the Americans Return to dominance in the sprints as Curly leads a 1-2-3 sweep in the 100 meters. Kind of nice that we are not having no talk about Shikari because Shikari's out there getting blended up somewhere with her homegirls. More power to you, gal. But yeah, you know, in short, it is wonderful to have, you know, this competition here. You got the River Festival, which I need to go check out as well. But yeah, this town's really buzzing. And, you know, it's a wonderful thing, and this is just kind of like the opening salvo of many great moments to come at this venue, you know. They said, love or, or love, Phil Knight. Man, you know, you you and your people, you know, kudos to you, man. This is, the, this is a wonderful showcase. Okay, folks, we will close things out on the other side with the NFL report and some TMCA time. See you there.
All right, welcome back to Fox Trying a Foxhole. I'm getting ready to watch the woman's 400 meters. Just as done by seeing Marita Koch, Marita, the, the German, still holding the record. I remember when she did that, too, back in like 85. I mean, like 47, uh, 85 or whatever it is. Just blown away that that's still the record. And the women's 400 meters. We're almost like talking 30 years. Shows you how impressive of a feast. And just an idea of what was going on back then. Just saying. <laughs> anyway, let's talk some NFL reports, shall we? Um, okay. This story, I just don't know what to think, okay? I mean, my, my own personal investment Frustrations aside, Daniel Snyder, yes, that Daniel Snyder, has agreed tentatively to appear before Congress via video conference. Not subpoenaed. So basically, what it seems to me is that, as I predicted all along, he's not going to allow himself to be slammed off of the left field fence at Nationals Park. Instead, both sides are probably going to come up with a list of questions, and Snyder is going to give, he's going to have time to see the questions and give canned responses. Uh, it'll, give, it'll give that one pit bull Congress lady a chance to grandstand, and Snyder basically to sports wash what, you know, is already a pretty odious narrative there. I don't know. Once again, I don't see the NFL or even Congress finding ways to take the team away from this guy. His only hope is that somehow this commander's rebrand works up and he can just grab his balls and say, ha ha, F you all. Of course, it's Dan Snyder, so it might be wishful thinking if you are a commander's fan. <laughs> getting that kind of outcome. But yeah, at this point, it just press on. You know, for me, as I said before, this has been one of the more gut-wrenching, stress-induced off-seasons I've ever experienced being a fan of any team. And, you know, we are still <laughs> two months away from the opening kickoff. I'm just like, can we get to a preseason game so I can actually see the Commanders in action? And Fanatics still hasn't sent me my jersey yet. Delays there even. But yeah, anyways, okay. Enough Commander stock. <laughs> How about the Texans? Well, they settle with Watson's accusers. Hmm. I don't know what this all means in terms of an actual punishment for Watson. Getting mixed signals, it seems like the NFLPA is starting to feel more confident that they can get, you know, what the NFL wants reduced down to maybe four or possibly nothing. I can't see that, right? I, I don't, you know. I mean, yeah, I can't see it because, as we've said a million times here, you know, the NFL has a Teflon coating around it and can withstand most bad PR. This would be bad PR, but I've seen worse. You know, if it can survive 
having the wo the woke and social justice warriors try to take the league down in the, after you know the Kaepernick fiascos. It'll survive somebody else being a douche with women. Won't look good, but heck, ever since I've been watching the damn product, you know, guys have been slapping their women around and doing other, you know, bad deeds. You know, not giving it a pass or condoning it, actually, you know, saying the league does have to be better. But because it always is able to withstand the PR, the PR nightmares or stink eyes that come from it, I mean, it's just business as usual, and that's kind of what I see here as far as Watson is concerned. Speaking of in the land of hypocrisy, I thought it was kind of interesting that Miss Condalisa, Condi baby, you know, f famous statesperson, recently, you know, having a seat on the CFP. And I love it because, you know, obviously... She is red and, you know, a Republican. You know, I have to serve under uh, Bush 43. And for somebody else, she would get props. But because she's a Republican, you would think, you know, a, a woman of color, an accomplishment of color, getting you know, a piece of NFL ownership, that would be reason, you know, to be lauded. But you talk, I mean, the woke warriors... Pretty much not, not going to give her any promise for that. Just another rich person joining the rich boys club. And it's just interesting, right? Because, you know, I don't have a dog to fight when it comes to red or blue. But I've always found it interesting, you know, from some of my friends who, you know, talk about, who, who are pretty strong in terms of the liberation and equality movements, refuse to give her any promise for her achievements. And if you don't got to like her. Right, or get into her politics, but at least give her props for, you know, opening doors to women. It may not be the kind of woman you want opening the doors for you, but it's still pioneering nonetheless. And that's the reason why I rarely bring up when people, when it comes to gender and race, people getting promotions and things like that, because there's hypocrisy involved. You can't be happy about one person being a pioneer and ignore the other. That's the only point of even bringing this up right now and why you rarely will see me talk about such things. But cool for Condi getting a piece of Denver. <laughs> Sorry, is that, you know, what? AB thought the rappers were going to get a piece and the NFL, being the NFL, chose to go with something that was more their speed. Not a shock. Um, how about Heinz Field getting a rebrand? And Big Ben already being weepy over the name change. Hmm. Okay. Now, maybe if this was Three Rivers, I would say yes. But while they've had success at Heinz, not nearly as much as they did at Three Rivers Stadium. So, stop being weepy. Name changes happen all the freaking time. I mean, crap, you know. I was talking about Oakland a while ago. I mean, where the A's play... You know, a lot of history has gone on there, and I couldn't even tell you what the last two or three names that dump has been. Right, you know. Yeah, name changes all the time. I think that, you know, someplace iconic like the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, yeah, get weepy over if that get, has a corporate name change. Heinzfeld, yeah, not so much. Right, you got what? A Super Bowl win since you've been there? And a loss, 
Maybe two wins. I can't remember why it goes, but it's definitely not the rich history that Three Rivers. Now, much better place, but hey, money talks. Um, speaking of former Steeler, how about Le'Veon? Yes, that Le'Veon Bell saying he is going to focus on boxing rather than football. He's got a boxing match against somebody who's relevant, uh, another football player, actually, or somebody who's in transitioning as well into something else. Yeah, okay. Well, Le'Veon, maybe the sand in the hourglass as far as your usefulness on a football field was coming to a conclusion anyhow. Good luck in the boxing ring. Also, a big bummer for four-time pro bowler Mitchell Swartz, calling it a career after injuries kept him from playing in 2021. Last was with the Chiefs. Money's there. Why put the risk? Go out and enjoy a beautiful life with your wife and kids and your families. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you got Pollard calling out Lamar, which makes me wonder. Of course, Pollard walked it back if you saw him on, Col on Colin, Colin Cowherd's The Herd, you know, or whatever that was. But I just think it's interesting, you know, with now Pollard and Hollywood Brown as well. Is Lamar Jackson a franchise killer? And are wide receivers reluctant to play with him because he is kind of a one-trick pony in terms of, you know, he's got accuracy and nobody's questioning his skill set, but it is about his legs. And people like him who have the potential of, uh, uh, right, of eventually sustaining a lot of damage and out of the lineup as we finally saw last year. Yeah, it... But, I think Lamar still has a high ceiling because you can't argue with skill set. But, you know, um, again, speak, I was talking about the commanders earlier and was watching RG3 or RG Me, you know, at the, doing some commentary in the track and field championships. I thought about that guy and how RG3 was Lamar before Lamar was. And, you know, similar speed. I mean, obviously, I think Lamar's got a better skill set as a passer, but. Robert could have been that as well, but that's just it. Keeping guys like that healthy. And I think that's the same thing, you know, what, as Alec Ford and others will tell you, nobody wants to hear that, that that was going to be Kaepernick's problem had he not, you know, sacrificed his career for his stance. But these guys out, you know, these run first quarterbacks, you know, we're not sitting here trying to be the Jolly Joe racist here because I think Lamar is, you know, a, a dual threat. But you have to wonder when you have receivers, office, and other people not wanting Baltimore as a top destination, you know, where it's like someone like like Deshaun, who you're willing to put up with his odious stuff because he's more, you know, of, of, of a pocket, you know, type passer and has more of that presence there. We'll see. Because, you know, I mean, you, you're, you're getting this sense that, you know, there is sort of some kind of diva thing but who knows with these guys and the kind of money they're making. But, yeah, I wonder about Mr. Jackson and, you know, do teams think he's an elite talent? Or do players, you know, choosing a destination? Now that quarter, I mean, top receivers are making, you know, quarterback money in the 20s. Okay, got a little bit of a rant there. Um. I'm not believing this about Baker and Sam Darnold battling it out for a starting role in Carolina. You know, 
I think it's Baker's job to lose. Yeah, you know, Darnold was a starter. And, but I, Baker was taken first. And while both have something to prove, Sam Darnold has kind of shown me that you know, the money's okay, right? And if he had to hold the clipboard, he's not going to be the kind of person who's going to pout. Whereas Baker is like, oh, hell no. Don't you realize it's all about me? I am a star. Props to Baker for putting the bull down and cutting the ties with Progressive. I say if Baker balls out again, there'll be plenty of opportunities because Baker is that kind of a character. It's just up for him to deliver and not fade into obscurity like Mansell did. You know, he's going to have an opportunity here. And that's why you still see Darnold having a chance when Baker has too much to prove, especially if he can stay upright and healthy. I don't know what's going on with Jimmy G and Lance. Where do we go from here now that Jimmy G has been cleared and he's actually throwing again? Um, it's a tough for San Francisco. His asking price is pretty high, but as I've always pointed out, not too many people have gone to a Super Bowl. Not too many people have been in multiple conference championships. And speaking of Kaepernick, that's something, same team, obviously, something he can make that same argument. You know, if it's about paying money and what have you done for me lately, right? Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel that if you're San Francisco, you got to, like, start the season, I think, with Jimmy G. You know, I've always felt, even when he was back going back to New England, I mean, I don't think it's going to, I don't think, it, maybe you find the dance partner. I, but somehow you walk away, if you, if you have, you try to find a trade partner, get something for him. I'm not saying, I mean, and I'm not talking about some lame fourth or fifth rounder. You get, a, you get an asset that can help you win now, you know, right? Because you need, obviously, free up some money so you can keep old Mr. Debo happy. Because Debo wants to get paid or he wants to boogie. But, you know, on the other hand, I know Jimmy G can get you there. I'm not sure about Mr. Lance. So, yeah, I think the folks in San Francisco, Mr. Kyle, you know, and Mr. John there, they've got some, they got a big decision in front of them, right? And lots of people don't think you can really, same, you know, in the same way move forward with Jimmy G still on the roster. I don't happen to be one of those people. All right. Boy, I somehow created a long segment here. It was going kind of fast before that. Oh, well, thanks for putting that with me, folks. This is a lot of fun today. You know, definitely all over the place. It's been that kind of week. What do you think of Houston's new red alternative helmet? Or the Bengals are going to sport a white alternative helmet, which we haven't seen yet. I saw Houston's helmet. I think it looks fly. And the idea of the Bengals wearing a white helmet, at least some of the renderings I've seen, this is what I'm talking about, folks. If you're all about the money, let's have some fun. Let's come up with some dope-ass gear so we, when we show up to the crib, we're looking all fly, as that girl said on the radio show when she was mad about the Red Wolf's name not being chosen. It's like, I want to wear the gear and be fly. I'm like, yeah, be cool. Like I said, with the, with the Saints in the black helmet, I think this Bengals white helmet with an all-white jersey is going to look fresh. I mean, I love that the Commanders have a whole black thing. I don't like the white uniform so much, but I think the all burgundy and the black look sweet. 
have some fun. It doesn't, you know, you can still maintain the traditional look and and have alternates, you know. Once again, going back to Phil Knight, what he did with Oregon to sort of like set this whole thing in place. Love him or loathe him, but this is something that has created incredible revenue streams and has made it a lot more fun and a lot more visually pleasing. Nothing wrong with that. All right, folks. Boy, we've been rambling here. Let's get to some... Let's get to a kind of abbreviate TMCA time. It's kind of a quiet week, or maybe I just didn't dig deep enough for candidates. But as always, we've got a few that are worthy of the smelly varieties that come in XL, regular, and complementary sizes for people whose deeds during the week warrant being lauded for such bad behavior or just being that dude or that chick. Um, we're going to start out. I'm going to give the Orlando Magic an XL for cheating Summer League fans, uh, you know, at home and the ones who show up at the Thomas and Mack and the Cox Center in Vegas by, you know, low-managing Banchero, so we did not get a chance to see him and Holgrim, Chet Holmgren match up. Come on, man. You know, it's like a couple of years ago when the Lakers did the same thing and De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo didn't play. Let us see this kind of thing, right? It just, the whole load managing at that time of the year, especially when these guys were that young. I mean, if he's that fragile, why the hell did you draft him in the first place? But yeah, you know, you get an XL because watching a homegrown Banchero matchup would have been cool. Um, I'm going to give an X, I'm going to give complimentaries all around to the internet peanut gallery with his obsession with Zach Wilson's love life. You have to be born in Little Rock not to know the story that supposedly Zach was making time with one of his mom's friends. No, I don't know, man. This is where I have to wonder about the race card here. For some reason, we're caring about, you know, this white quarterback and fantasizing when the brothers have had harems for years, knowing who knows what, and we have one one-thousandth of the attention that we're paying to this guy because he supposedly hooked up. I mean, I even heard Joy and Colin talking about it the other day. <laughs> Excuse me. They can be choking up on that. But yeah, complimentaries for letting this story have legs. I mean, even his mom putting it out to whatever for us. No, this isn't her. Uh, everybody's just getting a good laugh out of it. I just think it's... Yeah. Look. How about Brian Urlacher? He gets... Uh, I'm going to give him an XL as well. His claim of folks faking CTE to take advantage of the cash available in lawsuits. Well, that might be true given the nefarious nature of people and their ability to defraud and scam. Even if it's true, come on, Earls, you can't go there and make blanket claims like that without substantiating it. Come on, man. You get an XL for that, man. Whew. Okay. And lastly, like I said, this is an abbreviated one, even though this has been a healthy segment. The handlers for the horse drag Malibu. Giving the horse meth so it can have a competitive advantage. Wow, wow. Animal lovers all over the place just falling over on that one. Just saying, yeah. So does that mean the, the horse is going to end up with all bad teeth and, you know, st stealing stuff out of all the stalls? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you all get an XL for that. That's a big dang, you know, D-E-N-G. -E 
Okay, folks, we somehow got through another crazy week. Stay safe out there. COVID is still getting people sick. Other things out there, if you're going to be out in the water, be safe anywhere. Enjoy the adult beverages. Get out there and check out the worlds or be part of the scene if you're here locally. Watch some beautiful game life. Enjoy some MLB. And we'll talk, I don't know, six to eight days, depending on when we can squeeze it in. But yeah, keep an eye on the big changes coming in the FTI and FX world. Tell you, we're serious this time. Meanwhile, see you in about a week. Bye.